This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Nadawel. 
Follow my example. Put down your rifles. But look here, I have your right arm. Are we all to suffer because you cannot obey orders? Put down your rifle. Oh, all right. Now, follow me to the second hut. We are more or less prisoners. Follow you and submit to the furthering thing to see you're being bound, I suppose. I think not. I don't think they need to bind us. They outnumber us a hundred to one. They have our rifles. What more could they want? Right, Philander. But Dardo seems no better. All we have to do is submit carefully, and everything will turn out all right. Then perhaps Monsieur Clayton has a suggestion of value. The time when my suggestion was of value has passed. I would have fought it out. Then, my impetuous friend, your head, my head, the heads of all of us would soon be adorning those so sharp-looking spikes of the stockade. And, Monsieur Clayton, we would not have rescued Miss Jane. Well, what's the difference? Here we are being herded into a dirty hut, and we haven't found Jay. True. We have not found the young lady. But I think once the countryman of yours named Gay said something that is very true, while there is light, there is hope. Yes, we could be of no assistance to Mademoiselle Jay, but alive, we cannot tell. We may be able to help. And I think they are certainly being lax about guarding us. Auntie, we by the way, Darno, uh, what did you say? And uh, what did the hitman say to you? I merely greeted him. And before I could tell him what we had come for, he said, The white man's guard you have come to look for is not here. Oh, well, he said, Miss Jane must be here. The very fact that he mentioned proves to me, my friend, that we have blundered and she is not here. If Mademoiselle Jane had been here, the hitman would have said nothing, nothing at all. He would have waited for the chief to come back. But if Jane has been here, how can they even know of her existence? And that we're searching for her. It may well be one of those things, my friend, that we civilized people do not understand. For, for all we know, some of these blacks may have been watching you at the hut for some time. shining between the serried ranks of giant trees filled the jungle depths with pools of liquid gold. The stream winding its way to the waterhole beams like the surface of a mirror. The hard, bright blue of the sky is softened by the leafy-fringed network of twisted branch and vine that form the jungle's canopied roof. Save for the occasional call of an animal to its mate, or the frightened yelp of some smaller beast that stumbles unawares on Numa or Sheeta, the jungle is quiet. On the leafy platform in the trees, Jane Porter and Tarzan watched Sabor the lioness combing the burrs out of her cub's fluffy coat. It's hard to believe that tonight that same lioness will terrify the jungle with her roaring, and that some poor brute will have to be killed for her meal. Meal? Meal? A meal white skin is food. Food. White skin hungry eat food. Many food, meal. One food, eat? Many food, some food, meal. Yes, White Skin, you do learn quickly. At this rate, we will be able to talk without difficulty in a very short time. Time? Time? Short time. Short time, quickly. Quickly, short time. White Skin, go. Come back, short time. Come back, quick. Exactly, that's right. Tarzan motions Jane to be quiet. He leans over the edge of the platform, listening. Jane tries to listen, but 
The ape man's acute hearing, his keen sense of smell, tell him of something approaching, something that Jane cannot hear. At the crackling of brush, Tarzan again more emotions to Jane. This time he points, and Jane sees far on the other side of the glade a huge black warrior, one of the party attacked by Tarzan when he rescued Philander. Tarzan leans closer to Jane. White skin arrows. Not many. Roman Ganny, many arrows. Tarzan has no word for take, but Jane understands that he intends to take some from the black. Now the warrior is below them. Without a sound, Tarzan drops full on the startled black shoulders. The black screams as Tarzan lands upon his back. Tarzan slips his arm under the warrior's chin, forces his head back. The black catches a glimpse of Tarzan's face. The strangled scream dies in his throat as he recognizes the forest devil feared by his brothers at the corral. Tarzan pulls the quiver of arrows from the man's back, throws it behind him on the ground. He grips the black about the middle, raises him high above his head. A slight tensing of the muscles. He's going to hurl the black against the pole of the tree. No, no, Tarzan holds the black above his head as though he were a baby ape. Undecided, he looks up at Jane. No kill, white skin. No, no, no kill. No kill, Gomangani? No kill? Tarzan does not understand. Why should Jane not want him to kill the blacks? The blacks torture and kill their enemies, even their own people. The blacks are worse than Yuma or Saber. Only the Gomangani torture before they kill. Again, he looks up at Jane. No kill? No, white skin. No kill. Go, go. No kill. It's all very puzzling, but Jane does not want the Gomangani killed, so Tarzan lowers the black to the ground and stands watching him. The black warrior, his teeth chattering, too frightened even to scream, crashes off through the brush in desperate flight. Tarzan bends down, picks up the quiver of arrows, and swings himself effortlessly back to the platform. White skin, no kill, man, black man. Man? Man? Yes, white skin, you, white skin, man, me, Jane, woman. White skin, man, Jane, woman? Man, no kill, man. Man, no kill, woman. And Tarzan learns in speech that he is a man, something that he had learned in writing long ago. But Tarzan is unable to associate the word man with the little bugs, as he thinks of printed letters that spell on paper M-A-N. In the cannibal trial, Professor Porter, Clayton, Darno, and Philander are seated on the ground inside the hut that is their prison. You said something a moment ago, Darno, that puzzled me. Uh, you mean, my friend, about the blacks knowing the reason for our search? Yes. Uh, I must admit that I, too, uh, am somewhat uh, at a loss to understand how these blacks could know that we are searching for James if they have not seen him. It is just one of those inexplainable things, monsieur. They may not ever have seen James. But by means of their mysterious jungle magic, they will be able to describe her quite clearly. Will be able to tell you how she was captured. And if given the proper encouragement, will tell us where she is. But how, Darno? How do they do it? That I do not know. Sorcery, thought transparent, telepathy, all suggestions are nothing but yes one. They know the secret and they keep it. But it's absolutely unreasonable to suppose that uneducated, illiterate, Mud dog savages can do such As Bishop Rico says, it is unreasonable. But nevertheless, it is true. Without doubt, we will learn from these people the whereabouts of this change. That is, always provided that they do not kill us first. Of course, that is a provision one cannot quite lose sight of. I, I am not one uh, uh, who uh, uh, call a timid man, but the uncertainty of not knowing what will happen next is extremely exhausting. Listen, what is happening now? I want to hear what this means. No, he said he saw the white devil of the trees. A 
and he has a white woman with him. Good Subscription box, yeah, but with exclusive loot. On surprises, delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as 11 dollars per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it! You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. pages of Edgar Rice Burroughs' thrilling book. The hot, steamy air of a jungle afternoon hangs like a grayish-blue haze in the treetops. On the edge of the great water hole, crocodiles, their vicious snouts barely showing above the surface, wait for the unwary beast that comes to cool itself in the sluggish water. The shrill piping of the birds is deadened by the smothering fall of heat. The monkeys, almost always active, doze in their nests high in the tangled branches. On the little platform before Jane's resting place, Tarzan sits examining his grass rope while Jane Porter thinks of the voices she had heard in the jungle. The more I think about it, the more convinced I am that it's Mark Banning out looking for me. Me? Me? No, I did I was just talking to myself. Myself? Myself? Myself. Me, Jane. White skin, me? Yes. White skin, myself? Yes. Myself, me, white skin. Many white skin. Yes, white skin. Oh, no, no. Only one. Jane, me? Jane, myself? Yes. No, no, no. Tarzan nods to show that he understands there is a difference, although he does not understand what that difference is. And then Jane takes the grass rope into her hand. Jane, take rope. Take, take, Jane, take rope. White skin, take rope. And Tarzan takes the rope from Jane's hand as he says the word. That's right, white skin. Take, take. Now we will see if you understand this. 
Whitekin take Jane's hut. For a moment, Tarzan sits puzzled. Whitekin take Jane's hut. Whitekin take Jane's hut. Then Tarzan looks up at Jane. The flash in his eyes tells her that he understands. Whitekin, Jane, to go hut quick. Come back quick. Yes, yes, Whitekin, you've got it. Come quick. Go hut. Go hut. What Jane can want at the hut, Tarzan does not know, but he understands that she's excited, and too he needs more long grasses to make a new rope, and these grasses grow on the headland beyond the hut. He bends down, picks Jane gently from her feet, and holding her as easily as if she were a baby, he starts into the heavily interlaced branches of the lower jungle terrace. In the cannibal crawl, Professor Porter, Philander Clayton, and Darno discuss their predicament. Are you quite sure, Darno? It's it's incredible. I'm not surprised. I've believed it all along. I have no way of being certain, monsieur, as to the truth of these black assertions, but I am quite certain as to what he said. Although, of course, I do not understand his language, I nevertheless detected not only his extreme surprise, but his fear with almost a note of terror. He was terrified. He said that he was one of the party that had captured Ceylon there. That is, he said you, the big heavy man. Then he went on to explain how they were carrying you through the genre when one of them was pulled into the trees by an unseen power and hurled upon them. And then many of them were killed by arrows and they fled. They blamed the devil god. Yes, yes. That scene is graven deeply on my mind. Amazing fortitude on his part. Well, what next did he say? Yes, yes, about Jane. He said... He said that he was separated from the party and was on his way through the jungle when again this uh, devil god dropped on his shoulders, took his bow and arrows, and was about to kill him when a white woman in the treetops shouted something. The black did not understand what she said, but the devil god did, for he put the black down. This fellow ran here, he said, without even looking back. Then, then, the white woman must be Jane. Let us pray that it is. Still, we hardly expected to find a white man in the jungle. Isn't it logical to suppose that he may have a primitive mate? That may be, Clayton. But something tells me the woman is Jane. It must be. If Monsieur Clayton and Monsieur Philander will allow me to be. Oh, I, I beg your pardon. Certainly, certainly. I was about to observe that the native used the word memshad in referring to the white woman. Now, that word is used among these tribes almost exclusively for a white European woman. Had the white woman been a skin-clad savage, the native would not have used the polite ah, The blessed certainty of knowing that Jade is alive. Relief. Relief is hardly adequate to express my feelings. It's a great relief to all of us. But don't forget, we're on the wrong side of this cannibal stockade. Our arms, no one knows where. And we have all the earmarks of becoming just another meal for a bunch of cannibals. Clayton... You're becoming a regular pessimist. Well, I'm dashed if I can see anything to be optimistic about in the face of this situation. Naturally, I'm a stress. Well, there are no words to convey my joy at knowing that Jane is alive. Yeah, but once our purpose, was it not? To find Mademoiselle Jane. But now that we know she is not here, and since we no longer have to fear the blacks we tried those on Mademoiselle Jane, voila, we can fight. That's all nonsense, Donna, and you know it. When we came in here, fully armed, you said that we were hopelessly outnumbered. Now we are disarmed. Sailors of this arm, and in a different hut, 
There are more blacks than there were before. And you talk of fighting. Uh, they're certainly insulting to your argument, Clayton. Uh, in fact, now that we are assured of Jane's safety, for the moment at least, possibly it behooves us to decide upon some plan of action, some campaign that will lead to our eventual release. Any plan of action that will get me out of this decidedly evil-smelling hut leads to the hardiest approval of Samuel T. Philander. Let's work. I know nothing of cannibals and their practices, but for the past hour, something has been going on out there in the compound, and it looks to me like preparation. Uh, let me see, please. Yes, yes, it's very certainly unwanted activity. Peculiar sort of fellow out there. Which doctor? Going through the most awful antics and contortion. Circling a fire with some sort of clay idol in the middle of it. Monsieur, monsieur, are you sent there? Well, the water's right. I've been watching it for some time. Oh, monsieur, it is right. There is not a moment to lose him at that. At what? A serious at all that now? Not yet. That is the ceremony that precedes the sacrifice. Ah, then during the sacrifice will be our best and kindly king. No, Professor. What Dano means is that preparations are being made to sacrifice. Ah! Almost unbelievable, Tarzan carried Jane closer and closer to the hut. They reached the clearing where Turkos, the bull ape, captured Jane. Tarzan holds the girl close as he drops through the leafy screen of verdure to the ground. He places her on her feet, and Jane, holding the ape man's arm, looks up into his face. Here, Turkos, take Jane. White skin, save Jane. White skin, kill Turkos. Save Jane. Save Jane? Yes, white skin, save. No kill. Save. Jane, save Coleman, can he? Jane, save man. Yes, Whiteskin. Jane, save man. Whiteskin, no kill. Come, go quick, hot. They move forward again. Through the sparse trees skirting the clearing, Jane sees the hut. Suddenly she stumbles, bends down. Look, Whiteskin. Revolver. Gun. Bang, bang. Gun. Bang, bang. Yes. This is the gun I dropped when Turkov captured me. Of course you don't understand. Turkov, take Jane. Jane, frighten. Gun. Fall. And Jane drops the gun to the ground as she says fall. Tarzan bends down to get the gun, but Jane steps forward quickly. No, White Skin, no. Gun kill? Yes, White Skin. White Skin, go rope. Jane, go hut? Yes, White Skin. You go and get the grass for your rope. I'll go to the hut. White Skin, come back quickly. All right, White Skin. Come back quickly. Jane, go hut. And as Tarzan goes off to the headland for a new supply of the long, tough grasses from which he weaves his ropes, Jane enters the hut. It's it just look at all oh, they've been back here. Yes. Yeah, I'm almost certain I I heard Daddy's voice. It's it's quite possible that they're out in the jungle now. There's of course, there's no real reason why they should come back to the hut every day, but no, there's no real reason. I wonder, I wonder where they put that on. Oh, but I'm sure that, oh, here it is. Now. One, two, three, four, five. Five live shells. Who can tell? 
someday they may save my life. Or I can use them to signal me. What? What is Jane stands transfixed as the door slowly opens, revealing the menacing figure of a gigantic black. Jane backs against the wall of the hut, terrified. As the door opens wide, she sees gathered behind him the hideous faces of a party of savage warriors. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. pages of Edgar Rice Burroughs' gripping book. Yes, Professor. These preparations are being made for us. Right, Donald? That is what it looks like. I have no fear of death, but I have a rooted objection to... You mean being made a meal of Archimedes for us, or right? Oh, that's that's I, I meant no such thing. Uh, I have a violent scruple against being used in any of their pagan rites. <laughs> Rather a fine distinction, Professor. However, while I'm not afraid of death, I have all the Englishmen's objections to going out without putting up a darn good scrap. But yes, Musha Plate on his right. Even if we have to die, won't them be put it to die? No thing. But as Monsieur says, let it be with the back to the wall. Oh. Then it would appear that all that remains to be decided upon is the manner in which we'll attempt our escape. Now wait. And it is my belief that the ceremony will not take place till night. And that is still a few hours distant. You know, come over here. Look out into the compound. Why? The place is almost deserted. But the guards about our prison are still here. Yes, and to make a dash for it in the daylight is impossible. A poisoned arrow, a spear thrust. No, no. A few hours more and the chances of escape are multiplied a thousand times. You're quite right, Donald. I chose. What wouldn't I give to have a right? Buona. Buona. Darrow, buona. Hush, Clayton, hush. Darrow, I'm sure I heard someone speak your name. Darrow, buona. Quiet. It is someone. Keep on laughing. Who is it? It's Nakido. Nakido, wait that. Nakido, no forget time the rope on the same life. Me, Pablo, is it possible? Nakido, go now. By by, come back. Long spear, he watch close. By by, one time, come again, Nagel hunt, talk slow. We, oui, Nakido, come back. By by. Quick, Dano. What is it? A possible hope, Dano? Yes, it is Nakido, a black. A skilled laborer in the ivory. I won't save him from a drunken plantation owner. But what did he say? I could gather very little. He says he has not forgotten. Then he says the guard is watching and that he will return later. Do you suppose he knows where the rifles are stored? Probably, monsieur. Every black in the crowd knows that. Then why not get him to smuggle one or even two in here to us? 
But won't they be guarded? Probably so, but so are we. And yet we're discussing possibilities of escape. I think. In fact, I'm, I'm sure that I can see all the other huts from here. And ours, I would say, is the only one guarded. That being the case, I second Monsieur Platon's proposal. My idea was, get one or two rifles. Find out in which hut the rest are stored. Then, under cover of the two, make for the hut. Seize the rifles and start from there. As perfect a plan, mes amis, as one could devise. Then nothing more can be done until Darno's friend comes back. And that, if he is wise, will not be till nightfall. Meanwhile, back in the rude cabin built by Lord Greystoke so many years ago, Jane Porter leaps back from the door as it opens and the black warriors file inside. Jane runs behind the table. She reaches out to the revolver, then remembers the cartridges are lying there on the table. The weapon is empty. Her next thought is to call for help, but that will only bring white skin into the same danger. The big warrior who had entered first goes behind the table and seizes her. He picks her up, carries her from the hut. The rest of the blacks follow. They go a short distance into the brush. There in a small opening, they have dug a pit. Jane wonders what they will do. One of the blacks binds her hands, another ties her feet. They pick her up, carry her to the edge of the pit, slide her over the edge. Jane rolls to the bottom, lies still, face downward. The blacks disappear into the brush. Jane tries to struggle onto her back. Into her mind flashes a reason for this attack. It's a trap! Again, Jane struggles to turn over so she can see. If only she can warn white skin. For a moment she lies motionless, staring straight above her. She's almost numb with pain. Trees, foliage, everything dances dizzily before her eyes. And then she stares harder. Can it be that she sees white skin up there in the trees? Yes, it is white skin! The ape-man stares down into the pit. Jane opens her mouth to shout a warning. Tartan fears she may be killed by the blacks if she shouts. He motions out of silence to lie still. Then he raises his head. his demand for help, and from the jungle comes the answering call of Tarzan's friend, the trumpeting of Tantor the elephant. In the cannibal kraal, Professor Porter Clayton and Philander and Darno anxiously await the return of the friendly black Nakito. In such a little while, messieurs, don't you tell me it will be dark. Also in a little while. We will be free, or at least on our way. You know, I'm really quite excited with the prospect of what Clayton calls this darn good scrap. Yeah, yes. And much as I am a lover of peace, I too feel that I will be quite able to give a good account of myself. That's what I heard, Warner. Warner. He, Warner. quick. Fight, Joe. He had some sense to do that. Quick, Professor. Draw the rifle, threw him into the hut. Warner. One time, come again, by my rifle. Encore another rifle. Bien fait, Nakito. Good. Ask him which hut, Dano. Nakito, which hut are rifles inside? One, two, three, four, seaside. Nay, I do not know I'm so turned around. Which side, seaside, Nakito? All same, son, he die side. West. Nakito, go now. Too much noise. Bye-bye. All kill. Thank you, what luck. 
Both magazines full. No, we wait till dark. Yes. Less than half an hour. Crashing, smashing his way with a speed almost unbelievable for his huge bulk, Tantor the elephant breaks through the tangled mass of scrub and brush. He raises his trunk and calls out to Tarzan. Tarzan, high in the trees, answers. The blacks hear the call. Some would like to run, but determination to get the white devil guard holds them. Santor is almost at the pit. Tarzan drops hand over hand. Yes, the elite rustles and his bronze body is almost unseen in the gathering dusk. With a soft pad, the ape man falls on Tantor's broad back. He bends down and speaks into the massive brute's ear. Abito, Tantor. Polito, Bandara, Omangani, Tantor, Tantor in the sand. He charges toward the pit. One of the blacks hidden in the bushes in Tantor's path. Tantor whips his trunk about him, raises the flaming candle. And against the trees. Another one of the blacks forward. Some of the beast to be Tantor plunges forward, tearing up flesh, flesh, anything that bars his way. Now he's at the edge of the pit. Tarzan slides down Tantor's sinuous trunk. He holds on with one hand and with the other takes hold of Jane. Who can on? Tantor raises his trunk, swings Jane and Tarzan to his broad, flat head. Jane! Jane! Oh, Whitekin, I was sure we would be killed. Killed? Whitekin, come back quick. Kill Gormangani. Yes, Whitekin. I'm almost sorry that I asked you not to kill those blacks before. Tantor, can who me? Tarzan leans forward and tells Tantor to take them back to the platform in the trees. I wonder... I wonder if it was the black I saved that would have brought these others with him. If that revolver had been loaded, I, I would have killed myself. Jane, kill myself? Yes, I'd kill If the gun had been loaded. Oh, but what's the use of my talking that way? You don't understand. But it is good to know that you are here to look after me again. Jane, frightened? Yes, I'd kill Jane, frightened. White skin, kill many Coleman Ganny. Jane, frightened. White skin, kill, kill, kill many, many Coleman Ganny. Kill many men. And as Tantor carries Jean and Tarzan back to the bower in the trees, the tropic sun dips quickly into the sea. The shadows cast by the tall trees lengthen and turn from bluish purple to inky black. The grasses on all sides tell a beast to face, walking their tails. In the cannibal kraal, Porter, Philander, Clayton, and Darno watch the sun set with quickly beating hearts. Well, I think it is the moment. My men are in the next hut. I will whisper to them as we pass. Ready, Professor Philander? I no am. No in a word. Now you, Professor and Philander, must go in front. Darno and I will cover you with the two rifles. Come. Nothing is moving. As quietly as possible. Quick! Let go! Let us be Tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media.
Tarzan of the Apes, brought to you from out the pages of Edgar Rice Burroughs' intense book. Chirping of myriads of birds, the staccato crackling of bright green parrots, below the soft rustling of bending grasses, the pad pad of stealthy feet, the musical gurgle of the stream winding its way to the sea. Along the jungle trail comes Tantor. Tantor is proud, proud of the friendship of Tarzan, proud that he, Tantor, has been called to the ape man's assistance. 
They come to the clearing where Tarzan built Jane's shelter. Tarzan orders Tantor to stop. Tantor! Ando! Tarzan slides to the ground. He holds out his arm and lifts Jane gently to the mossy carpet. Thank you, Tantor. You came just in time. I know you don't understand, but thank you. And Jane Porter softly pats the huge animal. Perhaps Tantor understands the thought behind the words. His little eyes gleam. His head moves slowly from side to side. He raises his trunk in the air and, with a triumphant call to tell the jungle that he's on his way, Tantor plods off toward the water hole. Jane, frightened? Not now, White Skin. No, no. Tantor, Griot, Jane. Tantor, Griot, Jane? Yes. Tantor, Griot, White Skin. Tantor, Griot, Jane. Oh, I suppose you mean like. Tantor likes Jane. Like? Like? Yes. Tantor likes White Skin. Tantor likes Jane. Oh, yes. White Skin likes Jane. Jane likes white skin? Yes, white skin. Jane likes. But now, let me see if I can explain this. How did you find me? Find. Find. As Jane says the word find, she hides a small twig in a clump of moss. She looks about as if searching. Tarzan moves the moss aside, picks up the twig and hands it to Jane. That's it, white skin. Find. You find. 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 Yes. Jane Hutt, Golangani, take Jane, white skin, find. For the moment, Tarzan is puzzled. Then he remembers that Jane was not at the hut where he expected to find her. That must be what she means. White skin, go hut, no find, no find Jane. That's right, yes, yes. White skin, find Golangani. And Tarzan dilates his nostrils as though searching for a scent score. White skin, find Golangani, find Jane. Tantor, come quickly. White skin, scent man. White skin, find Gomangani. White skin, go hut. No find Jane. White skin, find Gomangani. Many Gomangani. Find Jane. White skin, talk Pantor. Pantor, come back quick. Kill Gomangani. Expressive, even if somewhat disjointed. You know, white skin, you're learning English in a remarkably short time. Time? Time? Short time? Short time? Yes, short time. Same as quickly. Oh, short time, quickly. Same as? Yes, same as. Now let me see. Here, white skin. Jane reaches above her and plucks a leaf from the tree. She holds it up, comparing it with another leaf. Same as, white skin. Same as, same as, same as. Tarzan holds up the grasses for the new grass rope. Then he picks up the old rope. Rope! Same as rope. That's it. You've got it perfectly. Tarzan sits down and ponders over the many new words that Jane has taught him. The gloom of the jungle deepens. A blackness, sullen, foreboding, envelops the forest. A disturbing air of suspense that makes itself felt even to the beasts of the jungle hangs over everything. by the 
ruddy flames as they curl upward from the sacrificial fire in the center of the compound. The disturbing throb throb of the native drums, the grotesque dancing of the blacks as they circle the fire, carries a feeling of menace to the prisoners lying bound in the hut. I, I twisted and struggled around so much that I'm convinced that the stick to which my feet are tied is loose in the ground. You mean it, Professor? Uh, yes, yes. Really? Then we might be able to get away. Oh, our situation is desperate. Ah, no. You all right? Can you see yet? Yeah, wait, Grasshopper, bon Dieu. I can see. I've been busy with this rope. Are your feet tied, too? Yes, but not to a stake. Then work your way to the professor. His stake is loose. Together, you may be able to dislodge it. That is what I am doing. A few more inches, and I... There, there, now. Now am I touching your feet, monsieur le professeur? Uh, yes, yes. But I, I shall raise my belt in what is possible. That's it, Donald. Now, a, a little more. Ah! And uh, now you have your feet under mine. Yeah, now together. Push, monsieur. Push. They're coming. Lie still. Don't speak. They're taking me away. Milango, please. Do not fight. Do not resist. Milango, did you find Jane? Take care of us. and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater.
Tarzan of the Apes, brought to you from out the pages of Edgar Rice Burroughs' thrilling book. They will try to frighten. Thrusts with his spear, threatening passes with the knife, all manner of frightful things before the, the torture of the body. Can you work your way over, Dano? Do one more, my friend. Now, the pocket. It is which one? The left hand breast pocket. The flap's unbuttoned. Yes, that's it. Now, pull. The, the, the knife. The knife fell on the floor. Can you reach I, it just a second? I will have to turn over first. Ah, got it? Yes, I'm holding it tightly. See, I will move a little closer. Now, there seems to be some sort of dispute going on outside. As if there was a new arrival. A little more to the left. Here, here. Ah, ah, hold it. There. Ah, ah, the blade's open. Then you take the knife and cut my bond. No, you have the knife in your hand now. We may drop it. Close it. But I make up with his hand. What of it? What's the cut hand? When our very head the loose on our shoulders. Cut. Do not move then. Ah, did, did I cut you? No, no. I felt one of the strands go, that's all. By Jove, I can free my hands. Quick, give me the knife. Hurry, Clayton. I'm sure they're coming this way in a second. When I cut the thongs at my feet. There, now I too am free. Monsieur le professeur. Oh, it's easy. Why, too? What's the idea? I wonder what in the world. Please, 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 do nothing rash. They'll bring me back. Well, I'd better lie down. We'd better lie down. We don't want them to know if we freed ourselves. Are you hurt? No, I know. You know, I I don't know as yet what has happened. Uh, They they tied me to a stick. Stabbed at me with spears. I thought that it was all over when a band of these pagans appeared at the gate. Uh, someone, a chief or something, certainly someone in authority, came forward and gave a few orders. Then they cut me down and brought me back here. And you're not hurt, you're all right? Uh, yes. Oh, I'm all right. Uh, down, oh. Yes, uh, what is it, Monsieur Professor? Your friend, Nack. Nackido? Yes, yes, Nackido. He was one of the party carrying me back. He whispered to me that he would come to the hut as soon as he could. Jungle wind, tempered by the cool waters of the Atlantic, chills the night air. Like great black silhouettes, the giant trees loom out of the dark. Away in the distance, the roar of new mother lion tells of a successful kill. A lithe shadowy form detaches itself from the surrounding darkness. A leap, and Sheeta falls with unerring accuracy from his prey. On the little platform in the trees, Tarzan sits braiding his new grass rope while Jane watches. You know, you're rather clever, white skin. Six months in the proper environment, and no one would ever know that you grew up in the jungle. Tarzan glances at Jane for a moment, then goes on with his rope-making. He has learned that some of Jane's remarks require no answer, and to him this seems to be one of them. I wonder, White King, does it ever occur to you to think, to wonder who your parents might be? Oh, if only I could get you to understand the word father, I might be able to convince you that I must search for my father. Father? Father? Yes, my skin father. Oh, how can I make you understand? Gazan Baby Ape. Yes? Gazan Belu. Yes, Gazan Belu. Tika Belu. Tika Mother Ape. Gazan Baby Ape. But, but who father? Tarzan shakes his head. The problem is beyond him. He can see no connection between Tika, Gazan, and father. 
But Jane is not to be discouraged. Convincing White Skin, as she calls Tarzan, not knowing that White Skin is Tarzan, convincing him that she must go to her father is the all-important thing. She turns again to Tarzan. Chica, Belu Prezan. Yes? Yes. Father Turquoise? Turquoise kills. White Skin kills Turquoise. Turquoise takes Jane. White Skin kills. Oh, yes, yes, I know. Oh, dear, how can I explain what I mean? White Skin likes Chica? Yes. White Skin likes Tika many. Turquoise like Tika? Turquoise like Tika many? Tog like Tika many? Tog take? Keep Tika. Gazan Belu. There, that's what I wanted. Tog father. Tika mother. Gazan baby. Tog father. 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 Tarzan's face lights as he at last grasps Jane's meaning. Father is the name for male ape. Just as man is the name for M-A-N, and woman for the female M-A-N. White skin, father? Who is your father, white skin? Tarzan does not answer. He cannot answer. His thoughts are back at the hut in the clearing. He sees in memory the little books with their strange bugs, the pictures of a man and a boy. He has known since first he made out what those bugs stood for, that he was a man and not an ape. But with that knowledge came another problem. If he was not an ape, then who was his father? All the memories of his earlier life crowd in on him. He thinks of Kayla, his foster mother. Kayla, the she-ape that had raised him and protected him against the tribe when he was too little to fend for himself. He has always thought of her as his mother, and now the thought is driven forcibly home. He has no mother. Tarzan looks at Jane. White skin? No. White skin? Alone. Jane has father? Tarzan looks incredulously at Jane. There must be something wrong with his reasoning. He has just learned, so he thought, that father was Jane's word for male ape. He turns over in his mind every possible solution. Then he hits upon one that satisfies him. Father must be the name of one of the party he had seen at the hut. He turns toward Jane. Jane, father, go hut. Yes, white skin. Jane, father, go hut. No find Jane. Jane, father, go. Go. Many go. No find. Jane, here, talk. Jane, father, talk. Jane points out into the forest depths as she tries to recall to Tarzan that day when she had heard her father's voice. And understanding at last that somewhere in that vast jungle is a man called Father, whom Jane wants to go to, Tarzan sits thinking, trying to figure out just what he must do. Dano and Philando, three of their bonds, are cutting the tough grass ropes from Professor Porter's arms and legs. Did you say, Monsieur the Professor, that Nakido said he would come here? Oh, yes. And that he would come as quickly as possible. And that we must escape at once. Yeah, Professor. Now you're free. Ah, thanks. Oh, it does feel good. Or not. There's a kid of a wee, Nakido. Tonight, she's kill a witch doctor. Plenty warrior look to see which doctor die. Wanna go away. Wanna stay. All kill. Which doctor? He like kill for rain god. Chief, he wait for catch him white devil god and white memsop. Can you make out what he's talking about, Donner? Yes. He said the chief was gone, and the witch doctor, wanting to appease the rain god, ordered put there to be sacrificed. The chief came back, ordered the witch doctor killed for his presumption. And the chief does not want us to be killed? Not at present. He wants to wait until they have captured the white devil god of the jungle and the white memsop who is with him. What? Jane? 
and the fellow that we think may be Tarzan. We read. The chief wants to make the sacrifice worthwhile, so he is waiting till Jane and the jungle devil god, as they call him, are captured. Then, if the chief has come back, that means that their plans for capturing Jane and, uh, and Tarzan have failed. And lucky, don't chief, don't catch devil god. Listen. Altogether different sound to those drums. He look, he look, see, all fixed for catch. He come here make duty, duty already. One on the hunt, you man. He give paper. Here, you, you take him. A message, a message from the sailors. We have been preparing to escape. When you hear us shout, count ten, then run. What can they mean? How do they know that we're not tied? I speak him. You know more tied. Listen, one. Daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as 11 dollars per month, those are packs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it! You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Pages of Edgar Rice Burroughs' intense book. (laughs) 
inky blackness of the jungle depths is lighted only by the pale yellow beams of a waning moon. Long, endless, foreboding tunnels that are animal trails by day echo to the soft, sinister padding feet of the prowling jungle cats. Far in the distance, Dangle the hyena lifts his head to the heavens and tells his repulsive, slinking brothers that Numa the lion has fed, that the king of beasts has left the remnant of a kill. The moonbeams glint on the shiny stalks of a clump of bamboo by the waterhole. A pair of greenish-gold eyes gleam evilly as they stare from behind the bamboo screen. A spotted tail twitches, a chilling raucous scream, and Cheetah the leopard launches himself upon his prey. Suddenly, a distant crash wakes the jungle to instant life. Cheetah's prey, startled, leaps to one side. Cheetah stops momentarily. In midair, it seems, drops to the ground and crashes into the underbrush. Dangle the hyena forgets his meal and slinks tail between his legs into the deeper shadows. In a leafy alcove, Jane Porter wakes. She crawls out onto the platform and finds Tarzan standing... Listening. What is it, White Skin? What can have happened? It sounded like an explosion. Tarzan motions to Jane to keep quiet. He leans forward, listening intently. Tarzan knows that the sound came from the direction of the cannibal crawl, but he also knows that in all his many dealings with the Gomangani, he's never heard such a noise as this. He turns to Jane as she touches his arm. Man, many man. Boom, boom. Gun, gun, many. Bang, bang. Oh, White Skin, I don't know. I can't explain. But that sound convinces me that they must be near. Cecil, or Mr. Philander, or Father. Father? Tarzan looks at Jane incredulously. He had thought that Father was one of the party that occupied his hut. But to associate the word Father with the noise he has just heard baffles him. I know something has happened to them. They were out in the jungle searching for me. I heard their voices. You remember White Skin? And now something has happened to them. Tarzan looks helplessly at Jane. His command of this new language is not sufficient for him to understand Jane's excited talk. But he knows she's upset over something more than the noise itself. White skin, go! No, no, you can't leave me now. And yet, if you don't go, something may happen to Daddy. I can't be selfish. I'll be all right. Yes, white skin. Yes, go. I would never forgive myself if I kept you back. Go quickly and come back quickly. Yes, white skin, go quickly. Come back quickly. Swiftly, Tarzan grasps the branch and with one last look at Jane, the ape man swings himself into the trees and is gone. Meanwhile, at the cannibal crawl. Professor Porter, Philander, Clayton, and Darno picked themselves up from the ground where they'd been thrown by the force of the explosion. Great Scott. Whatever that was, it certainly was powerful. I, I was completely stunned for several moments. And I have been watching the natives. They are certainly mystified. I am more than mystified. Don't you think that while they're lying there, we might try to escape? Yes. Let's move toward the gate as long as we have a chance before they recover their senses. Well, they may be lying on the ground... But they are watching our every move. And may we? And did you see that party of warriors move slowly to the gate just as we started forward? Well, when we meet them, it will be time enough to think about what we'll do. I think we're sure that we had better stand our ground and let them make the first move. Uh, yes, I too am in favor of that. They don't seem to want to interfere with us, but they watch us closely. Well, how much longer are we going to stand here doing nothing? Frankly, Monsieur Clayton, we have not much choice, have we? Every time we take a step towards the gate, the natives get between it and us, or head us off. Uh, quite right, Darno, quite right. While the shock of the explosion seems to have stupefied them, uh, and they show no inclination to attack us, yet they apparently are determined not to let us get away. Evidently, the explosion was to them supernatural. They promptly threw themselves on their faces before the, uh, before the place where the idol used to be. I'd like to know how your sailors, Darno, were able to get to the dynamite. Because I'm sure now that it was a stick of dynamite that did the trick. We'll probably find that out later, monsieur. Hey! These blighters are coming toward us again! Yes, Clayton, yes! But with an entirely different attitude. Quite worshipful, I should say. See! That one in front! 
with his hands outstretched. But yes, monsieur. A gesture of peace. Quickly, mes amis. We must make up our minds. It is my belief that these cannibals think that we are miracle workers, medicine men. To make them believe that is our one chance. I joke, Dono. I believe you're right. You say they believe in black magic. Then let's give them an overdose of their own medicine. A very excellent suggestion. As much as I, a man of science, dislike the idea of imposing on credulous savages. Professor, I consider that my skin is more important than the beliefs of these cannibals. If we can black magic ourselves out of this situation, then I'm solidly behind the idea. Alors, fait entendu. I shall act as interpreter. Monsieur Professor, you will be the venerable worker of magic. Uh, but, uh, Darlow, uh, with your knowledge of naked psychology, uh, hadn't you better... Don't argue, Professor. Do as Darno says. Uh, that chief, or whatever he is, is coming closer. Don't you think, Darno, that some definite sign of our importance would impress him? Oui, monsieur has right. Voilà, voilà. Over there are their drums. Make some sort of signal. Right, oh. I'll do my best. Uh, monsieur le professeur, can you pretend to work some uh, magic, uh, go through a lot of signs, etc.? Look, every eye is on Clayton. As long as we have them spellbound, don't you think we ought to really do something that will appeal to their superstitious natures? Ah, mes amis, I have it. I shall get a handful of cartridges from the chief hut where Narquito said they were stored. Monsieur le professeur, you walk toward the sacrificial altar, and when I give you the signal, you raise your hands as though commanding something to happen. Yeah, Clayton has their attention. Walk forward, professor. That'll draw their attention from Darno. You're doing splendidly, professor. It's taking hold. In a very few moments, we'll have them completely in our control. Yes, but this is most undignified, most unscientific. So is being put to death by cannibals undignified Archimedes. But there, Darno's ready. Don't get too close to the fire when Darno throws those cartridges into it. Monsieur, I have arranged a council meeting, and I have also warned them of the danger of making any attack upon us. They seem thoroughly cowed, don't they? Uh, at least we will have a respite to formulate plans for the future. Yes, and the meeting will take place shortly. Meanwhile, they will perform their ceremony, welcoming us to their village. Everything seems to work out all right. I have told the chief that no harm will come to them while we are with them. Well, they are busy with their ritualistic guns. Why don't we join your sailors, Donna, and decide what's to be done? <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
back in the jungle, Sheeta balked of his prey by the explosion prowls angrily through the underbrush. It is late, and Sheeta's belly is still empty. With tail lashing, dagger-like fangs bared, the huge cat comes to the clearing by the little platform. His black, wet muzzle twitches. His cold, glittering eyes glint wickedly as he turns and sees James standing on the platform. With a coughing snarl, the live brute launches himself against the tree. Jane hears the sound and tears into the gloom. She sees the glinting eyes, sees the long claws dig into the bark of the tree. Quickly, she pulls a heavy branch from the platform. Inch by inch, she pulls himself up the rough bark. Snapping vicious jaws break the cold wings of the path. With all her strength, Jane brings the branch down on Cheetah's head. Cheetah spits and screams with rage. He moves his head from side to side, trying to avoid the raining blows. Again and again, Jane tightens the club-like branch on the brute's head. But Cheetah slowly and surely hangs toward the platform. Tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Out the pages of Edgar Rice Burroughs' vivid book. Tarzan stops in his flight through the treetop. He hears James call for help, and with the speed of a striking sneak, the ape man turns. Springing from limb to limb, swinging from trailing vine to swaying branch, he flashes through the dark corridors of the upper jungle terrace. On the little platform, Jane lashes with all her strength at Sheeta's slipping jaws. Again, she lifts the branch high above her. Again, she brings it down on Sheeta's head. Snarling, clawing, fighting, the leopard reaches with his giant paws for the platform. He captures the outside edge. Tension of the mighty muscles in the great camp holds himself from the shaking branches. Jane tries once more desperately. She defends his head beneath the nose, and he moves forward. Jane throws the branch down. She reaches the most for a low-hanging limb, swings herself clear of the platform. She just strikes out at her with striking, tearing jaws. At Tarzan's call of warning, Sheeta stops, looks up. Crashing down from the treetop, Tarzan hurls himself on Sheeta's back. They roll over and over on the narrow ledge. Tarzan's fingers clutch at the brute's throat. Sheeta's hind feet strike out. Tarzan throws himself to one side, but he holds on. Effort to throw the ape man from him. They roll off the platform, down, down, crashing through the branches to the ground below. In an agony of despair, Jane pulls herself to the platform and drops down. Tarzan is on his feet. Peter's jaws snap at the ape man's thigh, but Tarzan twists himself clear. His knife is out. The blade flashes and flashes again as the bronze arm rises and falls with deadly rapidity. 
He's a howls in agony. Tries to break away, but Tarzan's grasp on the brute closes the jaw. He did one last descending up, but throws himself to the ground. Deep man's steely muscles pin the leopard past while the greenish yellow fire dies from the beast's eyes. Tarzan rises from the ground, places his foot on Sheeta's carcass, beats his broad chest with clenched fists, and raises his head to the skies. Back in the cannibal crowd, Clayton, Professor Porter, Darno, and Philander with Darno's sailors formulate plans for the future and their eventual escape. Well, there's a certain feeling of security being together in this hut. Yes, and they have pushed it carefully, too. However, monsieur, although we have gained the respect, the situation is still anything but secure. Well, it's considerably better than before, just the same. Uh, do you think, Darno, that we now have these superstitious natives completely under control? Uh, no, monsieur, by no means. They believe, yes, that we have worked magic. But now, monsieur, one false move means not only death, but the most vicious torture that the human mind can devise. I feel that I must sustain Darno in his belief. Having assumed the roles of minor deities, we've placed ourselves in the position of forfeiting all human characteristics. Frankly, to me, the whole thing is ridiculous. Irrespective of whatever goes with the theory involved in all this black magic thought transfer. What I want to know is, if these blighted can do all this, how are we going to pull the wool over their eyes? Monsieur Clayton. These primitive peoples can do much that we of the West regard as impossible. But we of the West do many things that these natives do not understand, Miss Yes, I'll admit that. Then, for the sake of saving our skins, it will be well for us to play upon the natives with what we can do. Uh, their mentality is as I think before, about six years. Now, can you try to understand what is passing through the mind of a six-year-old child? Certainly not. At the same time, while I'm not asking for an explanation of what's going to happen, I would like to have an explanation of what has happened. You refer, of course, to the blacks' knowledge of Jane's disappearance and our search for her. Partly that. And also, if these blacks know so much, why don't they know where to lay hands on this devil god they're so anxious to catch? My dear Clayton, you're getting into something very deep. And something that we cannot explain. Uh, you see, the witch doctor probably feels up a very strong case in favor of this devil god being just that. A devil. A god. And on top of that, this pagan jungle friend of ours, I still assert Clayton that he is friendly, at any rate, by his actions, has completely upset the nation. They want to kill him, but... But, that's just it. They have had opportunities. But have they, Clayton? Remember, in every case, he may have surprised them. And also, they may be overcome by fear that their arrows fly wide or their spears miss the mark. A thousand things can happen. And do not forget also, monsieur, that we were present when a message was brought in that this devil god had been seen in the trees with a white memsa. Yes, that's right, Donald. Then how can we tell? Possibly before that, a similar message was brought secretly to the witch doctor, and he, merely for the purpose of increasing his standing, claimed second sight or his powerful medicine. All of which I admit. And incidentally, all of this goes to discredit the theory of any genuine magic. I am not trying to convince you, Monsieur Platon. I am merely saying, wait, you will see. Uh, ah, ah, that I take it. It's some sort of signal. A warning, perhaps, but the council is about to meet. I don't know whether or not you've noticed it, Professor, but there's a strong similarity between certain aspects of the ritual among these savages and those of some of the rites of ancient Egypt. Yes, Kilander. I noticed that when I was tied to the stake. I was thinking, Father, 
Your knowledge of the ritual as laid down in the Book of the Dead might prove very valuable in cases which must of necessity arise. A, a very excellent postulant. May we excellent. A thought that who knows may save our lives. Pardon. Can I read? Kuban, the Dao. The council awaits us, Monsieur. The Dao of Imrat Charles. My Jews! What is it? The divorce witch doctor has insisted upon the poison. What is poison? Trial of some sort by poison. Exactly, monsieur. To prove our superiority, we will have to drink. The poison comes. The jungle which has awakened at Tarzan's call of victory falls again into a subdued murmuring. Tarzan pulls himself up to the platform, puts a protecting arm around Jane's trembling shoulder. Jane frightened? No. Oh. No. Oh, my skin. It was too horrible. I struck and struck, but it kept on getting closer and closer. I didn't know what to do. I knew you went far away, but, but I thought surely the mother would kill me before you got back. As the torrent of words which Tarzan cannot understand falls from Jane's lips, Tarzan holds the trembling girl close in an instinctive gesture of protection and assurance that he has no English words to voice. Jane forces back the tears and tries to smile. You, you have no idea of my skin. How, how hard I, I'm trying not to, not to cry. Trying to, to be brave. Oh, my skin. You can't understand. You don't know the meaning of fear. Fear? Fear? Yes, fear. You know the meaning of Jane's frightened. Fear is something you may learn as a word, but you'll never know the feeling of it. Cheetah frightened Jane? Yes. Cheetah frightened man? No. No, White Skin. There's no use trying to explain to you. Any of the men I know, or I should say used to know, would have been as frightened as I. White Skin. Yes? White Skin. Jane Gohart. Jane wants guns. Jane wants guns? Bang, bang? Yes. One? One? Oh, dear. You don't know the meaning of the word one. Yes, one. One. Let me see. Like. Like. Jane like Gohart. Jane like take guns. Yes. Jane like go hurt quick. Jane like take bang bang. That's it, White Skin. I'll feel much safer with a gun. Go quick, fast. No, White Skin. Sleep now. Yes. Jane, sleep. No go hurt. Jane, no sleep. Go hurt quick. Yes, that expresses it. Although I, I don't believe that I'll ever sleep after the tonight's experience. Jane Porter goes to her resting place in the little leafy alcove and Tarzan stretches himself on the platform. Fearful jungle shadows lengthen and deepen as the moon pales and fades in the jet-black sky. The jungle's memory is short-lived. Already the fight is forgotten. Already the jungle is gone back to sleep. All but the beasts that prowl by night. And the jungle night ends as it began. Dango the hyena slinks from the underbrush, head raised, yapping at the dying moon with his hideous, mirthless laugh. Tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media.
Tarzan of the Apes, brought to you from out the pages of Edgar Rice Burroughs' fascinating book. The entire tribe seems to be assembled. I have no fear of death, not even this. When the time comes, I'll drink without hesitation. If we refuse to drink, we'll be tortured. If we drink, we die. Uh, can we... Is it possible that we could impose our superior magic upon these pagans and perhaps postpone this poison cup ceremony? Perhaps, as I suggested before, some ritual from the Book of the Dead. For example, the raising of Isis by Osiris. Uh, uh, rather fantastic, Philander. And besides, we have no mummy to raise. And I seriously doubt our ability to raise it if we had it. Monsieur le Professeur, yes, Darno. I have been talking to Lakido. He says drink and have no fear. By Joe, what cheerful advice. Uh, what else did he say, Darno? Nothing. He was being watched. But I trust him. I shall drink. Oh, yes. So will we all, if we have to. If, monsieur, if, have you another plan? Professor Porter and Philandra to attempt something which I do not think they quite know. I say, do you know I'd completely forgotten till now? The rocket! The rocket? What? What? what do you mean? The rockets we brought from the ship. Couldn't you substitute one or even two for the money and the rights you spoke of? Oh, Clayton, I really believe you've hit upon a solution. Here, yeah, make your preparations. And keep the natives' attention away from me. I shall get the rockets. Here comes the chief. Postpone the poison drinking competition if you can. Wardo. Wimby, Nadawa? Nadawi Wimby, Kidogo Kindi. Whatever you said, it worked, Arnold. There is more we, monsieur. I told him that as soon as the great priest had performed his magic, we would all drink. Will we perform this ceremony, Professor? And can I do anything? Uh, suppose we perform the right just where we are. Uh, you, Clayton, must play the part of the hawk-headed one. Take a short stick and the rocket when Darno brings it. Yes, yes. What then? Uh, you have a, uh, seen a picture, I suppose, or perhaps a statue of a mummy. Yes, of course. Uh, then fold your arms across your breast in that manner. Look straight ahead, neither to right nor left. You can trust me. And I suppose, Professor, I had better draw the sacred symbols on the ground. Uh, yes, Philander. And be sure to cover Clayton's movements when he places the rocket on the ground. Voici. Here, monsieur, is the rocket. I do not think I will see. Ah, uh, now then, Clayton, place the rock and be sure to place it pointing to the blacks, not toward us. The cannibals watch Professor Porter as he walks solemnly toward the council fire. Darno's sailors stand with their arms outstretched as Philander inscribes before them the mystic symbols. His hands folded across his breast, Professor Porter stands before the fire, intoning the chant of the ancient Egyptian sun worshippers. Ashbu. The natives lean forward. The professor's intoning wakes in their breasts a corresponding chord of religious sympathy. The witch doctor, morose and sullen, squats in the shadow, a half-sneer on his hideously painted face. Professor Porter raises his arms above his head, closes his eyes. His body sways from side to side as he repeats the incantation. Clayton, hidden behind Philander, lights the rocket. There's a hiss, a blasting shower of sparks. 
Like a living thing of fire, the green rocket shoots toward the blacks. As they start to run, the rocket leaps into the air. It turns and flashes a gleaming, darting streak of vivid green fire towards the sacrificial altar. The witch doctor leaps aside. The rocket passes him. It turns again, hits the stone, soars into the air, and streaks over the chief's house. Leaving a trail of sparks behind, it loses itself in the jungle. The natives throw themselves on the ground, faces in the dust before Professor Porter. As the early morning sun floods the clearing where Lord Greystoke built his hut, it shines upon Jane Porter and Tarzan as they drop leisurely branch by branch from the upper jungle terrace to the soft green moss below. Thanks, my skin. But I don't believe that I'll ever get quite used to traveling through the treetops at breakneck speed. Speed? Speed? Yes, speed. Same as quick. Tarzan sits down at the foot of a giant tree as Jane crosses the clearing and goes to the hut. Jane, go inside. White skin, go hut. No. Jane, go hut. White skin, look. Almost as dusty and unused looking as when we first discovered it. Oh, here's the revolver. Thank goodness the blacks didn't take me. Now, I wonder if there are any more cartridges in the spot. Cecil said that I would always find them. Oh, yes. Here they are. Two packages of them. Now, I'll feel much safer. I suppose I'd better try this gun again. It seems to be all right. What's that? Jane runs to the door. There on the edge of the clearing are several great apes. She clutches the gun in her hand and shouts to Tarzan. Quick, quick, quick. She stops as she sees the expression on Tarzan's face. The ape man almost smiles as he watches the great brutes make their way across the clearing toward him. Fight him! Fight him! Jane, fight him? Yes, yes, fight him. Jane, fight him? No, no. Stick up, Mungo. Tarzan rises and places his bronzed arm about Jane's slender shoulders as the apes approach. They chatter excitedly among themselves as they watch this careless she. Gazan, Tika's Belu, comes forward eagerly, unafraid. Oh, Gazan! Gazan! The baby ape dances up and down in sheer delight at hearing Jane speak its name. And do a philosanto deck, Carmangani, Jane. Tarzan tells the apes that they must protect Jane from the other beasts of the jungle. He explains that she, Jane, is to be accepted as one of the tribe. Little Gazan, paying no attention to the warnings of Tika, his mother, comes forward and takes Jane by the hand. Tika gathers courage, moves closer, and stretches out a huge paw to Jane. Jane shrinks back. Oh, oh. Jane, no, frightened. Tika, no, take Jane. Tika, talk. Mungo, see. Talk. Tell Jane. Sabor, Numa, come. Yes, White Skin, I, I think I understand. You mean that the apes will look out for me? Guard me against Numa and Sabor? Yes, yes, yes. Tarzan yes. nods his head vigorously as he realizes that Jane has understood. The apes turn away. Little Gazan leaps and dances after his mother. Tarzan and Jane follow. And as the great apes take to the trees, Tarzan lifts Jane in his arms and strides into the jungle trail. <laughs> Back in the cannibal village, Professor Porter, Philander, Clayton, Darno, and the sailors await anxiously the results of their magic. 
I don't like the look on that witch doctor's face, Dardo. No, no, monsieur. In the first place, he sees that we have affected the natives, and he is liable to lose his life if they decide to believe in us. And his undignified efforts to get out of the way of the rocket. He evidently felt that very keenly. I suppose in order to live up to what is expected of us, we should do very little talking. No one is paying very much attention to us now. They're all watching the witch doctor trying to convince the chief of something. Very earnest talk, too, that he's making. I wonder... I do not wonder. I know that he is trying to convince the chief that no matter what our medicine magic may be, we still should drink the poison. I'm very much afraid that you are right, Arnold, and there is nothing to do but drink. So it would seem. Rather a ghastly way to go out. I'd much rather put up a scrap. But we must not forget what Takedo said, that we should drink and not feel. Yes, but can we trust Takedo? Yes, yes, Dano, I'll admit that he has on several occasions tried to help us. But great Scott, to drink an unknown poison. Hush, hush. Here comes the chief. And that is the ceremonial procession of the test by poison. Oh, well. What of it? Let's drink. Black stand motionless as the chief advances with the poison. With steady hands, Professor Porter takes the gourd, raises it slowly to his lips, and drinks. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!